morning. Welcome to the services this morning. We appreciate you being here very much. As has already been announced, several of our number are uh, at the Brotherhood meeting, worshiping with them in Paraland this morning or in uh, surrounding congregations. Uh, greetings from that area of the country. I saw a lot of people over the last couple of days and they said, tell everybody hi. So um, from that uh, part of the country, greetings. I know Ty said to say hi and uh, the Gerald family said to say hi and there may be others I can't remember that said to tell everybody hello and that they miss you. We're going to talk about the subject of confession this morning. <clears throat> So um, we had a, we've had a couple of weeks that were kind of open mic, and so the speaker got to select his topic. And I was I was thinking about what to talk about, and and I saw a television show. I don't know how many of you watch. There's a TV show called Perception, and it's about a neuro, neuroscientist or whatever that's teaching college, and and uh, he runs into different things, and uh, he solves cases for the FBI or something like that. I don't watch it all the time, but. There was a show that he started talking, that they were talking about secrets and what secrets do to our brain physiologically and atomically or your anatomy, whatever that word would be. And so I got to thinking about that and he, and he talked about confession and he talked about getting those secrets out of the brain. And so I got to thinking about confession a little bit and that's what kind of spurred my thought and what got us to this topic this morning. So when we think about we think about confession, you know, maybe uh, our Catholic friends come to mind. You know, they're very prominent in the way they confess. They'll go into a, into a little room or whatever, and there'll be a priest on the other side of the wall, and they'll talk about their sins, and, and they'll confess those sins to, uh, to God and the priest, and the priest will tell them what the church thinks they need to do about those sins. So maybe you think about that. Maybe you think about... An interrogation at a police department. You know, Brother Jim used to work in uh, for the highway patrol, and you know sometimes they would try to get people to confess things that they'd done wrong. So maybe you think about the TV shows that you watch, where there's a policeman involved, and they're in the room and they're interrogating the suspect, and they're trying to get them to confess to something that they've done, something they've uh, might have uh, some act, some criminal act that they might have. Uh, that they might have done. But when the Bible talks to us about confession, those are really not, uh, that's not really what it's talking about. The Old Testament introduces the subject to us in Leviticus chapter 5 and verse number 5. It says, Confess that he hath sinned in that thing. In Leviticus chapter 16, it says, And confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. Leviticus chapter 26 says, Confess their iniquity. Numbers chapter 5 says, Confess their sin which they have done. First Kings and in Second Chronicles in several places and confess thy name in Nehemiah one through six and says and confess the sins of the children of Israel. So the Old Testament introduces us to at least a couple of types of confession. Number one is a confession that that he exists, that there is a God, that he exists. And part of the salvation plan that we believe today is that that's a vital part. We have to confess that Jesus Christ exists, that we believe in him. The Old Testament also introduces us to this concept that we have to confess our sins, that we have to somehow verbalize or at least mentally confess the things that we've done wrong. And so when we talk about confession biblically, those are the two things that we want to talk about this morning. 
And so there's also, uh, as I was studying this thing of confession, there's really a quality, that's the way I phrased it, of, of a confession. And so we want to look at some different examples of uh, some different stories of uh, confession in the Bible. Some stories that were told us, and some of these are from the Old Testament, some are from the New. And we want to look at uh, maybe the quality of those confessions. And the way, I'm, the way I'm defining that is really, you know, was that a good confession? Did they mean what they were saying? Those types of things. And so let's begin by talking about this uh, Pharaoh confession. So the story in, um, in Exodus chapter 9 there... The children of Israel have been in Egypt now for some 430 years. We remember that there was a great famine and that Joseph was second only to Pharaoh and that he basically brought his family and the people, the children of Israel, came into the area of Egypt to settle that area. And and he was in power. He was second only to Pharaoh. So fast forward some 430 years later, there's a new Pharaoh in power. There's millions of these uh, children of Israel now. Now, and they're not, uh, they don't hold the same uh, favor with this Pharaoh. You know, there's not a child of Israel that's second in command in uh, Pharaoh's camp. In fact, Pharaoh is using the children of Israel much like slaves. And so Moses hears that. Uh, or uh, God hears his people and he says, hey, I'm going to deliver them. So he sends Moses in there to talk to the Pharaoh. And when we pick up this story, there's been six plagues already. There's been the plague of blood and the plague of frogs and the plague of lice and the plague of flies and the fl- plague of pestilence where the, uh, the disease that came in and killed all the cattle. And there's been the plague of boils that were, were on the people. And we pick up this seventh plague, which is the plague of hail. And we'll pick this up in Exodus chapter 9, and I've got this on the board. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. Moses replied, When I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail, so you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. The flax and barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and and spent, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. So he's just kind of in parentheses telling what happened to the to the fields and to their food source that was going to happen. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and the hail stopped and the rain no longer poured down on the land. Then Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped. He sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Moses predicts it, and in in, in truth it happens. Pharaoh, because he's under this pressure... Change, you know, he says, I've sinned, and you guys are right, I'm wrong, I've sinned. So he confesses that sin. Moses says, I have an idea that when all the turbulence is gone and everything's out of the way, you're going to change your mind about that. And sure enough, that happened. So my question for you is, have you ever been in a situation like Pharaoh? Have you ever been on a plane that's shaking as it's coming in for landing or going through the sky and you get scared and you say, you start praying, right? You start confessing. 
Have you ever been out on a boat and the waves got bigger than the boat? And all of a sudden, I've been there. I've been on Lake Texoma when a storm blew up in a 16-foot fishing boat. And man, the boat's coming out of the waters. We're trying to get back to land. And you start confessing. You start talking real favorably to the Lord. It's like you and me, Lord, right? You know, you're on my side. We're going to get through this. You see it, those forced confessions. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be of a confessing heart all the time. He doesn't want a storm to have to come up. He doesn't want hail to have to damage all of your crops for there to have to be seven plagues before you start thinking the right way. The Bible puts it this way in the New Testament. It's Romans chapter 14. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. If that's the first time we confess, that's going to be way too late. And so what I would like to encourage you this morning is to get in the habit of talking to your God and get in the habit of confessing your sins. Don't be a Pharaoh to where there's got to be some major tragedy before you start getting into this prayerful attitude and this prayerful mind with your God. Second of all, Let's look at, uh, well, I'm not going to look at this story because Dusty spoke on this. What's it been, Dusty? Not too long ago when he's told us the story of Balaam. King Balak had called Balaam and told him to come and to curse the children of Israel. And we remember the story. He comes, they come and offer him a bunch of money. And he says, well, stay here overnight and let me go pray to God. And he goes and prays to God. And God says, no, you can't curse those people. Those people are blessed. Leave them alone. So he sends the people back to King. The king says, well, send some more money. So he sends another entourage with even more money. And Balaam says, well, stay here the night and let me go see if the Lord's changed his mind. Maybe this is enough money that the Lord's willing to now curse his own people. Of course, the Lord says, well, I'll, I'll let you go, but say only what I say. And remember the story as he's going, he's riding the donkey, and the donkey sees the angel, but he doesn't. And, the, and he finally ends up beating his donkey, and then the angel appears to, to Balaam and he's in, uh, on, the, on the way. And then he gets there, and there's three different times that he's put in, in, a, in a high place over the children of Israel to curse them. And, and the Lord tells him not to curse them, but not only to, to not curse them, but to bless them. And so you see Balaam, this double-minded man that says, hey, I want to do what the Lord says. But if there's, there's, this, there's this enticement from the world, there's this money that I'm being offered here, and he's going back and forth and back and forth. And he wants to, I'm guessing he's a covetous man. Because this money that the king is offering him, that King Balak is offering him, keeps him bouncing back and forth. Well, let me go check with the Lord. Maybe he's changed his mind. Let me go check. Maybe he's... We heard a great sermon when we were down in Houston about putting our hand to the plow and looking back. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be steadfast and not to be a double-minded. In 1 Samuel chapter 15... There's what I considered an in. Uh, in fact, in that uh, before I move on, that double-minded confession um, is uh, Numbers 22 and 34. There, where he says, you know, I I have sinned, and I, you know, he he gets right, but he's still bouncing back and forth in that story. Insincere confession, First Samuel chapter 15. It's a story of uh, Samuel and Saul, and Saul's been anointed king. They wanted a king. They had judges, but. Those weren't good enough. The children of Israel wanted a king, so they anoint Saul king. And Saul's told to go utterly destroy the Amalekites. And he comes back, and we know the story. He brings back some of the oxen and some of the sheep, and he brings back king, King Agag. 
And he brings him back and he, and he meets Samuel and Samuel says, you know, what's going on? What would you bring these back? And at first he says, well, we brought these animals back. We want to sacrifice them. Then in verse number uh, 34 of, uh, oh, I'm sorry, verse 24 of 1 Samuel 15, we read this. <clears throat> Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So Samuel here is what I've called an insincere confession. And if you read through that story, and if you and if you just kind of get an overall picture, did I say Samuel? I meant Saul. Saul has got an insincere confession here. If you read through that whole story and you just kind of get an overall characterization of King Saul, King Saul's in it for King Saul. That's what he's about. As he, gets, as he becomes king, he gets more and more arrogant, more and more it's about me. And he says there he sinned. This time he says, well, we didn't bring him back to sacrifice him, but we, I feared the people. And so, you know, he's, he's kind of insincere as to, as to what's going on. If you go further through the story, it's all about, because he finds out, hey, you're not going to be king anymore. And he says, and he tells, he tells Samuel, he said, well, at least go home with me because, you know, I, I don't want there to be this, I, I want to look, still look good in front of my people and the elders and everything. So it's really all about him and it's all about the kingdom and it's all about what he's doing there. And so... The insincerity of uh, of his uh, confession in the New Testament in John chapter twelve and verse number forty two it says nevertheless among the chief rulers also many believed on him but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue so they weren't willing to confess because of what people thought he said I have sinned because I feared the people. That's what Saul said. That's what these Pharisees, that's what these uh, folks are saying here. Many believed, but because they were afraid of what men might think, they were unwilling to confess. The last one I want to read to you or talk about as far as setting up the sermon of the morning is Luke chapter 15, and I entitled it The Blessed Confession. Because many of you probably know the story here, but we're going to read it in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And we see a story of a man that has a very different idea and is presented to us in a very different way when it comes to confession. So let's read that. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said, Excuse me. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So we have this young man, he went to his dad and he said, give me my inheritance. And the dad split up the money between the two sons, and he took his money and he went into a far country, and he starts wasting it on partying, and, and the riot, because the Bible calls it riotous living. And then he gets to the point that he doesn't have any money left, and so he starts looking for a job, and he finds this job feeding hogs in the field. And it says that he was so hungry that he was thinking about eating what the hogs were eating. That's pretty low. 
That's a pretty low point when you start thinking about eating what those hogs eat. It says, No man gave unto him. The story goes on, And when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and bring a ring on his and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, it was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And that story tears me up. The uh, the son comes to himself, and he he has. You can just hear the heart change, right? He has this penitent heart. He says, "I'm I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to tell him, man, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Just make me a servant. Just just give me a job, because it's cool back there where you live. At least you've got good food to eat. That's all I want. That's all I deserve." That's all I want. But his dad wasn't that way. His dad came and he saw him and he put the family ring back on his finger and he puts the robe on him. What a beautiful story of a heart of, of, a, of a heart that confessed the right way the sins. <clears throat> Psalms 32 and verse number 5 says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquities of my sin. So David had a heart just like that. He had a very, a very a heart that was after God. The Bible tells us. And he says he's confessed his transgressions unto the Lord. He acknowledged his sin. He didn't hide anything. He opened his heart to the Lord. See, the problem is God knows all the sins already. So you're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. But you're coming to him with a penitent heart and you're confessing that, hey, I realize I've done wrong. And I realize I've let you down. And I am confessing those sins to you, God, with the right heart. So the anatomy of a secret. I was telling Brother Matt a little bit about this. So this was I got this from a lot of different sources. Um, uh, the source will pop up here in a minute. There's a book that um, that I read at least part of um, that uh, I got some of this information from. <clears throat> So the question is, do you have a secret? Do you have something that you're afraid to tell? Have you taken something that doesn't belong to you? Have you said something that was not right? Have you offended somebody? Do you have a sin in your life that you're not willing to confess? When we think about those questions, there's a, there's a couple of things that goes on with our brain, and we're going to talk about that anatomy. So the source is incognito. It's a neuroscientist. His name is David Eagleman. And so there's a part of our brain, and it's called the cingulate cortex. So it's right in the middle of our head. 
And this part of the brain, it deals with emotional formation and processing. It deals with memory and it deals with learning. So we've got this part of our brain that's right in the middle of our head that knows it's not a good idea to keep a secret. So it's screaming out inside your head, tell the secret, get it off your mind, get it out of here, we don't want a secret. That's the emotional part, that's the learning part, that's the memory part. And it's saying, get the secret out of here, get it, make it public. The problem is that you've got another side of your brain, oh, learning. The problem is that you've got another side of your brain, and that's called the orbital prefrontal cortex. So right back in here in the front of your head. And the orbital prefrontal con- co- orbital prefrontal cortex is a part that deals with decision-making. So it's over there doing a pros and cons list. What's going to happen if we tell the secret? Is whoever it is going to be offended at me? Is uh, there going to be legal action? I mean, all the pros and the cons that could be involved with telling this secret... It's over there doing those things. So it's saying, hey, what are the consequences? What happens if I spill the beans? So, you know, you remember those days when you you were sitting in school and you saw that pretty girl or that pretty guy that, hey, maybe I'd like to date them. And your brain starts doing that, right? I've got this secret. I'd like to date this person. And it starts going, well, what if she says no? What if she tells her friends? What if she makes fun of me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so your brain starts stressing internally because you've got this secret or you've got this concept going on. You've got one side of the brain going, tell her, tell her, tell her, emotion, emotion, emotion. Another side going, oh, she might, she might make fun of you. You might be belittled. You might be, she might say no. That would break your heart. So don't tell her. And so what goes on, so what happens is you've got this war that's that's going on in your brain. You've got the one side over there, the, the uh, prefrontal cortex that's saying don't tell it and that's creating stress. And you've got the other side of your brain that's saying if you'll just tell it and get it out of here, we'll all be better off. So is it any wonder that the Lord that built us would tell us to confess the things that we've done wrong and get those off? He knows about this stress, right? He built us. He knows that the best thing for us to do with our anatomy, with everything that's going on, is to confess. Get those secrets out. Tell our sins. So there's a war going on. The secrets are hard to keep. It takes a lot of energy. You've got to you've got to avoid people or not say things or do. It takes a lot of energy to keep those secrets in, and the stress is increased as we keep it. So the conclusion that I came to from everything that I read that confession is good. It's good for the body. It's good for the brain. And the Bible tells us it's good for our soul, which is the most important thing. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then in 1 John it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's good for the soul. The Bible tells us that confession is good for the soul. The Bible also says a very interesting thing about confession. It says, For many deceivers are entered in the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So he said, you're either for me or against me. You're either going to confess my name and be a Christian or you're against me. You're an antichrist if you're not willing to confess that I am who I am. 
So confession's a pretty powerful thing. You're either for Him or you're against Him. It's required of salvation. We talked about that. Romans 10 tells us that if we'll confess with our mouth that, uh, that we'll be saved. And then here's the, the coolest thing of all as I was studying confession. The Bible sums it all up, and I'm, I'll sum the lesson up to, for you this morning like this. There, there, there's a, there is a great confession that's going to be made if you do what you're supposed to do. And here it is. Revelations. Chapter 3 and verse number 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I, Jesus Christ, will confess his name, you and me, before my Father and before his angels. So if we do what we're supposed to do, there's going to be that great confession someday. Jesus Christ is going to stand up and he's going to confess our names to the Almighty God if we overcome and do what we're supposed to do. So, very powerful for me anyway. I don't know if you probably saw some quivering and some emotion. That's because this is, this is, this is an important subject to me. This morning, if you've got things, if you've got those secrets, if you've got things that you need to talk about, we're going to offer an opportunity for you to come and to confess those things. I don't know that you need to confess them individually. That's up to you. Maybe it's just that I've got a lot of sin in my life and it's burdening me down and I need to change. And I'm willing to start doing that this morning because I want Jesus to confess me before the Father when this judgment day comes. So we're going to offer an invitation song for you this morning. And if you'd like to do that, we will stand not as your judge, but as a servant. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Come as we stand and sing the song that was selected.